Works for me. Welcome to another edition of the Team Turnbuckle Podcast, IBN Sports Wrestling Podcast with the trio of wrestling fans. I am your host, Keith Fleming. With me, as always, Sam Howe and Ron L. Tinsley. What's going on, guys? Uh, just having a solemn, respectful uh, Yom Kippur, uh, Gamar Tovat, and my fellow Jews, all I'm sure that one of you listens to this show. <laughs> <laughs> Ron, how you doing? Okay. I'm doing. I'm doing well, fellas. How are you guys doing today? Not bad at all. We normally get together on uh, Thursday or Friday of the week. We discuss all four wrestling shows. We give the wrestling superlatives of the week. But there was a pay per view last night, Clash Champions. Uh, I actually thought it was a, a, a really good pay-per-view from WWE, particularly uh, with storytelling, which they have really done a great job of in the last month, especially the SmackDown side. But there's actually a Raw match that I thought also uh, impressively did a good bit of storytelling in it. But before the pay-per-view even started yesterday, there was reports out that there has been a, I don't know if it's an outbreak of COVID or just the fact that they've had a few people that have caught COVID and then there's been interaction with other performers, but we knew before the pay-per-view started that the Nikki Cross Bailey match was scratched as well as the tag team women's title match as both Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler were also scratched from the card Interestingly enough, to make matters even kind of weirder, Nia Jax tweeted out that Shayna Baszler, I believe, was pregnant. Um, so I don't know if that was a joke. I don't know if she let the cat out of the bag. But uh, from everything I read, it was due to COVID was why these performers were not going to be, you know, participating in the Class of Champions pay-per-view. I'm glad to see WWE is taking this seriously, especially if they have not you know, tested positive, but it's just a contact deal. Also read today that Retribution, uh, I guess, also came in contact with a person who tested positive. And even though they have not tested positive for COVID, they are also quarantined, uh, which I guess is part of the WWE's new policy. But this is the first time in WWE that I can think of that the card has sort of been changed due to COVID. We also obviously had AEW had that incident with, uh, that was John Moxley and Lance Archer, correct? Or was uh, John yeah. Moxley and Brian Cage? I get them mixed up. Uh, Cage, I, right? I thought it was Lance Archer was the one who they had to reschedule recently. Yes, it was the Archer match that had gotten pushed back. Okay. So what do you guys think about the way WWE handled this? Uh, not just from obviously a safety perspective, but also just from the fact that they just kind of the show must go on. They didn't try to fill, uh, you know, the card with more matches, and they just kind of made it a shorter pay per view. I'm I'm maybe in the in the uh, I, I'm sort of torn on that because on the one hand, I'm never going to complain. Like I, I'm I am not sorry to see those eight hour WWE pay per views <laughs> go by the wayside. Uh, but at the same time, the WWE is often at its best when they're forced to improvise. And so like, I, you know, like we've like, I, I still like, I think that's where we got that banger Finn Balor 
uh daniel bryan match a few years ago that's always my go-to for like uh uh because it was such a good match but i would rather than like i'm glad that they're taking it seriously um and i'm glad that uh you know i'm i'm glad that that i'm glad with the way it worked out i thought the pay-per-view went really well yeah totally got to agree with sam i'm glad that they're taking uh their athletes uh wellness more seriously and you know they took the appropriate steps and i am in total agreement that it was a pretty decent show as well um i was pretty happy with how it all flowed so let's get right into the card the you know it was announced that oscar would be opening the match against Selena Vega. That change, you know, Ronell sent me a text, and I, I hope he's right that they came to their senses and realized that this match does not belong on the pre-show, especially with a couple of the tag team matches, uh, including the one that did end up opening the show that would have probably been better candidates. But I'm worried that the only reason this was not you know, the, the pre-show was because they lost basically two women's matches, uh, you know, due to the COVID issues. They scrapped the tag title match. We'll get into Bailey's match. It, it wasn't really a match. They just set something up. So instead, though, we had Cesaro and Shinsuke take on the Lucha House Party. I mean, the match was fine. It's kind of the way I feel with most tag team matches lately in WWE. It's it's nothing against the workers. It's not that it's a, a you know a terrible match, but obviously Cesaro and Shinsuke picked up the W. Kind of my bigger question for you guys, obviously let me know what you think about the matches. Both tag team divisions all of a sudden are kind of in trouble. Like where does Cesaro and Shinsuke go from here when you have the New Day is obviously injured. You got Big E doing his, his singles push. The Usos, we'll, we'll get to obviously what Jay did uh, in the main event, but Jimmy is still recovering from his injury. You've got the Otis, you know, money in the bank briefcase stuff going on, so I don't really see them as viable tag team. The Miz and Morrison are involved in that storyline. They're also don't appear to be heading to the tag team title picture like where have all the tag teams gone on SmackDown all of a sudden? Um, I think that there's some, you know, issue with uh, – I think the one thing that hurts them, you know, would have, that they can always – when Daniel Bryan comes back, they can always do the uh, – they can always do, you know, him and Gulak, but which feels like a waste of both Gulak and Daniel Bryan. But the – you know that they are. You're right. They're incredible. I mean, both tag team divisions are thin, and I think it really. The frustrating thing is that the WWE, when it focuses on something like the SmackDown main event scene, is just bonkers good. Um, the Raw main event scene is fine. It's just not as good as SmackDowns. Uh, the women's tags, the women's title scene on both ends is really good. That they've just for so long neglected the tag titles that there's, you know, it's not much. It's just, it is very thin. And then they end up throwing people together, which is, you know, it's not just the men's tag title scene that's thin. Um, I feel like the women's tag title scene, you know, it gets, yeah, they get so little attention. I mean, it's, it's, it, it, it's just, it's frustrating, but I think that's what's going to end up happening is you'll see some sort of, 
you know, thrown together team that, that ends up challenging. And, you know, it's really sad to that effect because, you know, we were talking about this a couple of weeks ago where we've thought about uh, possibly unifying the tag titles just because of the, the lack of talent that we have going on there. Um, also, remember, we haven't heard from the Forgotten Sons ever since uh, the one dude kind of went too far <laughs> yeah. off on that political rant, which was, a sh- which was a shame because those guys were poised to be the SmackDown champs at the time. Um, you know, like I said, the, the, the match last night was, was pretty good, you know, for, for what it was. Like I said, there was no chance that the Lucha House Party should have taken those titles off of Shinsuke and Cesaro. Um, and it's really just a shame. Unfortunately, you know, here Cesaro is with his third partner, if I'm not correct, if I'm not mistaken, that he's a tag champion with. And yet we're still at such a lack of depth for, for tag team competitors. It, it's, you know, it is, it's profound. Like, the Cesaro thing just makes me sad, honestly, because like, he's been in WWE now for almost eight years. And, you know, the joke always was, was that he started out as the Swiss Superman and then he became the Swiss cyborg. And next he's going to be the Swiss Aquaman. And like, they've just downgraded him each time. And, and they used both names last night during, the, during the show. Oh, they, touche, <laughs> touche. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I really would like to see, you know, Cesaro is a guy who I, I think that he would benefit greatly from going to AEW or New Japan or, you know, really anywhere. Because I, I just don't think Vince thinks he's a star. And it's a shame, but, you know, sort of is what it is in that regard. You know, Vince, Vince thinks he's, you know, Vince thinks that stars are who, you know, he, if he doesn't think you're a star, you're not going to get that push. Um, I thought the match was fine, but again, I think it's sort of a waste of the incredible talent of Cesaro. So the first official match of the night, if you don't count the pre-show, we talked about this on our episode last week. To no surprise, you could you could make a very big argument the Hardy Styles and Zayn match was the match of the night. Uh, you got three wonderful performers. Uh, you know, basically trying to kill each other. My highlight of this match is the finish because when he brought out the handcuffs, I got so upset because I'm like, we've seen this before. And then when they handcuffed Hardy's ear, you know, through the handcuffs to the, like, it just, it's gross. Like, we went over this with the Ork match. Like, I don't want to see this shit. Like, I don't. And I was <laughs> so freaking mad. And I was, like, basically yelling at my wife. She's like, why are you yelling at me? I'm like, I'm mad at WWE. Like, we've <laughs> seen this before. Like, what are they doing? This is a great match. Why muddy this finish with this, you know, trifling old – I saw this with Miz, Alberto Del Rio, and CM Punk back in the day. Like, I've seen this. And then for Sami Zayn to have the key, like it was a nice little tweak to it. And it was brilliant because he was the one who brought the handcuffs into it. And Smart Heels, who I love, not Dumb Heels, but Smart Heels, they have backup plans. And he's like, this might go, go haywire. 
I'm bringing this into a match and this may not go my way. It didn't. He had the key. That's what led to his victory. I'm so happy for Sammy that, you know, he's the one that's going to come out as the new Intercontinental Champion. I think it's always a big moment when you're having a unification, uh, you know, match, particularly when it's a ladder match and those guys can hold both belts up, you know, at the top of that ladder. AJ Styles didn't need this win. I don't think Hardy needed it. Sami Zayn did, but kudos to WWE. Kudos to these three guys for a great match. And it was probably the match of the night, if you're talking about in the ring. Uh, best performance? Absolutely not. But match of the night for sure. The I was sort of, yeah, I, I was, and I don't think we can do justice. Like, I, I love Jeff Hardy, and, like, he needs to not stop trying to kill himself for my entertainment. Um, I, I would appreciate that as I really enjoy him, but I am, you know, like, this is a guy who is just, you know, he's, he's I think he's like 40, he might, I'm trying to think of he's my sister's age. He might be 43. Um, but yeah, I thought that it was a great in-ring match. I loved that it, uh, yes, he's 43. I like being right. Um, I love that, like, the story that they told with it. I love – I also like that, you know, they talked about, you know, if you want to take time off, we're not going to punish you. And I like that Sammy didn't get punished as the Intercontinental Champion. Um, I'm sort of surprised that they don't have him with Nakamura and uh, – come on, Sam, you can do this – and Cesaro anymore. But, you know, kudos to them. That, I thought it was a great match. I thought it was a great way to kick off the pay-per-view. I was super excited for that match because, you know, the handcuff thing at first, I, I, you know, kind of side-eyed, but the way he used that and having the key in his mouth and brightly um, getting that handcuff to the bottom of the ladder so that AJ couldn't enter, I, I just thought it was absolutely brilliant. Um, yes, Jeff Hardy, thank you so much for all the highlights, but, oh, my God, that last uh, – that swanton last night was a little scary looking, especially after I saw the the replay. It's like, man, you barely you came in enough contact with Cesaro to break that ladder, and you ate the rest of that. Well, yeah. So that that was pretty amazing. But like we said, um, totally the the match of the night for what it was in ring. I thought it was a great way uh, to throw a twist on uh, an old gimmick uh, with the handcuffs. So, you know, kudos to Sami Zayn. I'm extremely happy for him, and I can't wait to see what his Intercontinental title reign is. Maybe this is the way he gets himself back into the Champions Lounge and back into the good graces of Cesaro and, and Shinsuke. Let me ask you something, because did you, did you know that this match was going to be crazy with the spot fest? Because I don't know if I ever remember them building up a ladder match or a hardcore match by basically showing the greatest hits of all the bumps these guys have taken in ladder <laughs> matches where it's like, if they're showing this, you know, it's about to get hardcore because otherwise it's just a tease to the audience. The, you know, one thing that the, I, it, it made me realize that I've kind of taken Sami Zayn for granted. Uh, I hope that he is donating some of his champion bonus to the uh, orphanage that El Generico runs in Mexico. Um, but I just thought that I, I – one thing that I love, because I, I can be very critical of the WWE storytelling, was that, like, 
I love when they acknowledge like things in the past. So like Sami Zayn with the handcuff key was a great example of a guy who like you think about it in kayfabe. If you watch, wouldn't you be like, hey, this is always what happens when a handcuffs get involved. I'm going to make sure that I have that. And like you said, Keith, with smart heels. Like, I love when he, like, I love that. It just, and I, I love that ending on top of the spots. I thought that it was a great, you know, I, I thought that it was a great sort of mixture of that. The women's yeah, side. Oh, I'm sorry, Ron. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was I was just going to say that there's really not much more I can add to that. That was perfect. So the the women's title match, and unfortunately we only got one because of, uh, and we will go over the, the Bailey segment, but Oscar versus Selena Vega, I got to give Ron L. credit, uh, who again brought this up on the preview last week that we were going to be pleasantly surprised from Selena Vega. I was. I had no idea that uh, she could actually go in the ring. I, I, I guess I did not see her uh, at all in NXT. I, I'm glad that both women were working on body parts. I've seen a lot more of that lately in WWE as well as in AEW where you have particularly challengers pick a body part and try to work on that because I think it is more believable particularly for an upset win, even though that's not what we got here, that, you know, a challenger can pick up that win if they, say, work on the leg the entire match, particularly if their finisher, you know, works on the leg, or, or the arm, if it works on the arm. And I thought that Vega came out, honestly, the winner of this, even though she lost the match, because I am now convinced, after seeing her fight Oscar one time, which... I know Asuka makes pretty much everybody look good that she's in the ring with, but we know Selena can talk. We know Selena is obviously in favor with WWE management because she's on TV all the time, which very few managers get that kind of time and, and, you know, and ability to talk on the mic. And then to see her, I think she might be the high flyer potentially in the divas division, or excuse me, divas women's division. (laughs) And, they need that because that's the one thing, honestly, they don't have. I thought that Carrie was going to kind of be that star and she's leaving. But if you really think about it, you know, Bailey, yes, she has the elbow drop. Yes, Sasha has the, you know, the, the missile drop kick. And they all have a move. You know, Charlotte does the moonsault. But I could see Zelina really being the first woman star to really have a lot of moves in her arsenal from going off the top rope. So it made 100% sense that Asuka was going to win this match. Obviously, you're not going to have Asuka lose the title right after the storyline that we just went through, the fact that she just got the belt back. But I thought she made Zelina look good. And I wouldn't mind seeing these two fight again at the next pay-per-view. Yeah, totally. I was um, very happy to see that Zelina definitely delivered on what I had uh, said. Um, Oscar did make her look very great. I did love the strategy. Um, one of the things that even um, in a loss, I thought that she looked really great athletically uh, when Oscar did the counter, the flipper into the Oscar lock. Like it, it went so, so smoothly. So kudos to them. I'm happy that, you know, Zelina took shots at her after the match to kind of keep this thing going because we really don't have uh, another challenger at this moment 
and it's just good for her to just kind of keep her face in and you know i'm totally with you i don't know who um was the one who maybe it's triple h who's consistently in production's ear like listen this chick this woman's gonna be a star you gotta just keep her out there but you know kudos to selena vega and thank you to my homegirl oscar for doing what you do and remaining the champion I, I, uh, shout out to the, uh, Steel Ring Post and the With Spandex Orphans Discord, which I will, the next time there's a show, I will send the live link for that so that the Team Turnbuckle can join. Uh, but the, I thought that somebody pointed out that Asuka is one of the most giving female wrestlers in terms of, because Zelina came out looking like a star. And Keith, you'll appreciate this, I think, that I am 100% down if we're going to get Asuka as that sort of 94 Bret Hart workhorse, really giving champion, like I, I'm a hundred percent, if they want to go in with that, I'm a hundred percent there. Um, I think that uh, the, I'm with you guys on working on it. I wish that the arm had factored more into the finish, that that's picking nits. Um, overall, I thought that like Asuka's just, like, you know, I, I, I feel like I'm going to need to find new ways to talk about the depth, but like Oscar's really good and the women's division is really good. And I just think it's really, it's an exciting time to be a wrestling fan, especially a women's wrestling fan. Um, I think that Zelina Vega is a good challenger. Um, I'll be interested to see what happens with the draft, which they also announced last night um, and see where they go with that. But it's an exciting time. Do you think that Becky will get drafted? No, I am not. I'm in the minority here. I don't know if she's coming back. Um, you know, she's at, or it, it, let me rephrase it. I don't know when she would be coming back. Um, she announced in what June that she was pregnant. So, uh, you know, like April. Just right after uh, Mania. Oh, no, you're right. It was after Money in the Bank. You're right. Yeah, that was Money in the Bank. Yeah. Yeah. So she announced in June. So she, uh, hey, man, don't worry. We're, it, it's, we're in the what 90th month. month. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's 2020. Uh, I was like, yeah, didn't she announce last year? The baby should be, yeah, the baby should be taking its first steps now. Um, but yeah, the baby, she's not going to have the kid until like March of next year. And then you would think, you know, she needs time to spend with the kid and then to get back in shape. So I think we're at least a year away from seeing Becky Lynch back in the WWE if she comes back. Um, I hope she does whatever she wants to do. I hope that, you know, she doesn't feel pressured to come to stay uh, at home or to come back. Any question, Rana? Oh, no, no, no. I was just, to be quite honest, it does seem like it was a lot longer. It's like, man, like her pregnancy is actually – not even halfway over yet and it feels like you know like just like sam said you know god isn't that baby teething yet yeah <laughs> it's, like, it's like mazel tov the baby's the reason, having its bar mitzvah <laughs> the reason i ask if she's gonna get drafted and I, I don't even mean necessarily that she's you know even a year away from returning i'm just very curious to see how they divvy up the female superstars because you know obviously you got charlotte bailey Asuka, uh, you know, and Sasha. So do they, you know what I mean? It, it, say, is she going to be on SmackDown? And is that something where, 
because I personally wish that they would make either Monday or Friday the women's division. That would be the big thing for me with trading is if the women's division is a strength, I would probably make Raw pretty much the women's show. And the only reason I would do that is because you have three hours to fill. You could highlight them. I think that there's a depth of that talent and it would maybe be a way to, you know, even grow an audience, which we're all struggling with right now. And SmackDown is out of control and you could, you know, make SmackDown. I'm not saying the women couldn't come on SmackDown as well, but most like, you know, all their matches and stuff would be on Raw and they would technically be performers for that one because in a lot of ways, I wish they would, you know, highlight the women more and they're not doing it. I think, I think of like just what happened and we'll go ahead and actually get into this. So obviously Nikki Cross wasn't going to be, wasn't able to compete. So Bailey came out, gloated, did, you know, what all great heels do. And then Asuka came down to challenge her, which with the finish, it, it, it didn't necessarily bother me other than the fact that if they were going to have a non-finish, why not, you know, highlight a Naomi or, you know, some of these other women on SmackDown who really have had nothing to do as of late. I believe Naomi has a win or a pin over uh, Bailey in the last couple of months. It had been easy to explain that. But the only reason that they did have the match was to get Sasha to attack afterwards. Uh, I still can't quite figure out if it's just WWE straight pumping noise in, I'm assuming it's got to be because it got really loud when Sasha attacked. And I don't, you know, I, I'm not sure if the crowd was that over for that, which was kind of surprising because obviously I have to go by social media, but it did not get the reaction that the main event would later. But do you think that they needed to have this match? Like shouldn't have, it's almost like they did this the match with Oscar just to get the Sasha finish because that probably was already planned with Nikki Cross. Should they have saved that because they kind of got a mulligan anyway. And I really want live crowds for when this thing goes nuts. Why not wait another pay-per-view and build some suspense with letting Sasha take some time off? I think it would only enhance the feud in the long term. I'm sort of of two minds about that. Um, and it's the, the same, you know, it was the same thing with CM Punk, which is on the one hand, yes, it's very easy to say, let them breathe, let it breathe. And I agree with that. On the other hand, you have to strike while the iron is hot. And I see both sides of it. I wish that they'd given Sasha a little more time. I think that I agree with you that Oscar, that, you know, not having Oscar. Um, I also don't understand why. You know, the only thing I can think is, is that they didn't want to bring a talent in and potentially expose them with COVID for what was basically a, a glorified segment of, you know, like it was basically setting up a storyline with uh, Sasha and... So basically everybody that was at the pay-per-view was already in their own bubble, kind of. Like they had already been exposed, what you're saying? Yeah. Though, because, and we'll get to that with both Usos... But, you know, Naomi is married to one of them. I assume that, you know, I, I, so, yeah, I don't know why. I, I, and that's, I, I was sort of thinking about what you said about the women's division. And it's, I like that they have two shows because it allows them to showcase more women. But, 
Naomi sort of got in a raw deal because I think Naomi is one of the more under, you know, I don't think that she's necessarily as talented in the ring as Asuka, but, you know, that, that tippy top tier, but she's certainly worthy of, and, and I think she has presence. You know, she has an I would rather factor. see Naomi on a daily or weekly basis than like Andrade and some of these other guys that because they're guys and it's three hour show, and this is not a knock against them, but I'm just saying I think the women's division right now is deeper and I would rather see their lower card guys than some of the guys. Let me say, um, and this is not meant as a knock, but I would rather watch Naomi than Lacey Evans. Like yeah, I, I, I just I feel like yeah, I, I this is not a knock on Lacey Evans because I think a lot of this is that like Vince Sarn is like, oh my god, she's a marine and a mother. Oh yeah. <laughs> and like and, you know, your and, Vince is really good. Thank you. I, I, I enjoy doing it. Uh, and uh but like the but that is one of those where like her gimmick was also kind of uncomfortable where she was like, you, non-white person, you are nasty. It's like, oh, <laughs> like, oh God, like, oh. Mm. And, and so, and like then to turn her face and it's just, so yeah, I, I, and it's not, I think that Lacey Evans is a little too much too quick. And I, you know, I don't blame that, but I agree with you. I, I don't know why they didn't use Naomi or somebody, especially, because aren't isn't aren't we gonna get this at Survivor Series? Aren't, aren't uh, we gonna get if the champs don't change? Yeah, yeah champ on champ. Yeah, it, which I mean, this is a whole other thing that I think is stupid. But you know, we'll, believe me, you'll hear about that when we get to Survivor Series. I'll complain. <laughs> <man. laughs> yeah, I think the only thing, the only reason that Oscar was there is just because a. Um, she already has a victory over her within the past month. B, she's already been, you know, like I said, exposed to, you know, being in the arena. And um, the last part is to why introduce somebody else for basically what would be a one-off story where their presence really makes no difference anyway. That's actually a really good point because I think they're we're still going to get Nikki Cross, so that's actually a really good point. I hadn't thought of that. Did you guys I think it was a little underwhelming the Sasha attack that it just it felt like the first thing in this rivalry, honestly, in months. It just to me, I don't know. Maybe it's the fact that I know that they're not going to fight, you know, like tomorrow or next week or next month. But it just didn't seem that significant in everything these two have done. And 2020 to me has, or was that just me? Nope, not just you. I, I think it did lack a little uh, intensity or passion, if you would. Um, you would think that Sasha would have been a little bit more spirited, but then again, she was kind of playing up the neck injury. So maybe that could have been it, but you would think that she was come there to specifically take her head off. Yeah, it, it's it's one of those things that bothers me where, like, the WWE does its, like, you know, we're going to have a mortal blood feud, and then we're going to start the match with a lockup. And it's like, come on, guys. Like, that's why I always love when Sam, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens get in the ring, and they're, like, just start throwing those, like, those haymakers at each other. I'm like, because that's, that's, you know, exactly what you would do. So... I thought that it was it was a little underwhelming. Um, I, I I didn't. I actually wondered if 
they would have done it you know i wondered if they were they did it because like oh shit we don't have the nikki thing we need to you know sasha would have been there anyway i mean that's a little bit of of armchair booking but i am i was a little underwhelmed by it it felt a little rote in terms of um uh you know sort of predictable so in in this week's installment and on this one the review of class champions of Sam and Ron Elf's theory that Vince McMahon only puts black performers against black performers. I found out that the Bobby Lashley versus Apollo Crews U.S. Championship match was Apollo Crews' 14th consecutive match against someone in the Hurt Business. Uh, Lashley won pretty dominantly. Hopefully this is the end of this, and this is no offense to Apollo Crews, but like I'm worried that this Apollo Crews, you know, fighting with the Hurt Business is going to kind of kill their momentum. And it really does highlight between this and the tag team drive. We'll talk about them together because the Street Profits uh, <laughs> defeated Andrade and Garza, which is another match that we have seen 5,000 times uh, in the last month or two. Uh, Garza apparently was legitimately injured at the end of the match. That's why he had that weird spot where uh, Andrade actually kicked out. But if you look, I think in the corner, right as the ref called for three, there's another ref holding up the X. So they were just trying to get that match over with. But both of these matches were honestly boring. I wasn't very excited by them. The fact that just MVP and Ricochet were involved and the Lashley Cruz match was a little disappointing because I, I told you I was excited about this match because I assumed, you know, Retribution might be involved. I assumed the entire Hurt business would be at the ring. Neither of those happened. And Raw particularly has really got to get out of the funk of having these same guys perform against each other over and over again, particularly if you're going to do it on your weekly show and then have it at a pay-per-view. Like, it's one thing if a guy wrestles four rolls in a row, it is what it is. But to do that and then have it be the match on a pay-per-view for two belts. So we saw a U.S. title match that we've seen a bunch before on Raw and a tag team title match that we've seen a bunch on Raw. It's just, honestly, it's lazy booking. And I don't know if they've been hindered by the fact that, you know, they let a lot of people go at the beginning of the, the COVID outbreak. But I don't have any sympathy for them because everything I've read shows WWE hasn't lost any money. And they did this just out of being a corporation and kind of being spiteful, honestly, because they're going to still make their money. So they need to really do a better job of doing this, particularly when it's a pay-per-view where there's, what, eight, seven, eight matches? And two of them I just wasn't invested in. And then you put the SmackDown title match as well. That's three title matches that I had no interest in because we had seen it so many times before. Um. So... I'm I'm just gonna. Oh God, this is, this is you, on Yom Kippur. You're doing this to me, Keith. Um, you, I'm gonna have to atone for this one. I I think that the WWE's that those releases always come after WrestleMania. I've, a lot of who they released were guys who. I mean, I I have no memory. I mean, I know they released uh, the Major Brothers. Um, I think that the the other thing, though, is that this is not a new phenomenon. I mean, that for a long time, there were all the jokes about Ziggler and Kofi, who wrestled, I believe, a conservative 845,000 times. 
Um, I think that there's <laughs> it, 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 and and the Lashley match. Um, I've sort of accepted that Lashley is not. It, it, he's very technically competent. He's good at what he does, but it's not what I really enjoy. I think that he's sort of a throwback to a more methodical hoss. And right down to the to the um, full Nelson, and it's just not my cup of tea. He's very good at what he does, but I think that it depends on what story they want to tell. Because I I think that he he's good with the hurt business. He's obviously the guy with to a turn from Jay Billis the most upside. Um, but I would almost rather have him. You know, I, I would have rather him instead of Cedric Alexander join the Hurt, hurt uh, Apollo instead of, sorry about that, Apollo join the Hurt Business and, you know, do the, like the Black Four Horsemen against Retribution. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I thought that the match was perfectly cromulent, but it was nothing exceptional to me. I thought it was fine. Um, it was certainly the match. I would say that it was the match, like the, I don't count the Bailey match or the, the 24 seven stuff, but it was the match that I enjoyed the least. Yeah. Um, I'm with you. The only reason it's the match I enjoyed the least because I did exactly what I said on the pre-show and I completely skipped the street profits match, <laughs> you know, and I, I actually was just thinking about it as you were talking, Sam, that going back to our lack of tag teams. Um, and then we also have uh, Eric, I'm sorry. We have Ivar injured from the, from the Viking Raiders. So taking one more tag team division uh, off the board for right now. But um, I, I am, I hope they have something better in store for Bobby Lashley. Um, I, I'm with Sam a lot that in as much as he's a machine, he looks great. Um, he doesn't really do it that much for me um, in terms of, what he brings into in the ring you know not a lot of people even care that somebody can hold a vertical suplex for 30 to why doesn't he do more shoot shoot wrestling type stuff i mean he's got an mma background would it not make sense to mix that in a little bit more i yeah no i i think and like or give him more of a power wrestler like have him suplex people and throw people around um i'm i agree i think that yeah i i i don't know um, I like MVP as the mouthpiece. Um, I think that that's there. And again, to, to the WWE has done. You know, this is something that uh, some people call me a mark for the WWE and whatever. But I try to be positive. Um, you know, one of the things that I was crying out for was like, they're guys who just need a mouthpiece. Lashley is a guy who, you know, there are some people whose voices don't match their build, and. Lashley's one of them. He's great when, you know, and having MVP, who is a great talker, you know, I, and MVP doing, you know, his, I was, I, MVP was a guy who I always had higher expectations for and who never really reached them. And so to see him, you know, entertaining me continually 15 years later on the mic is something that I enjoy, honestly. Especially when he was supposed to, I believe, be signed for one final match on Raw, just to kind of draw a rating, he did so well. And, I mean, now look, at, you know, I'm sure they don't want him going anywhere. Um, 
So as you can see, this pay-per-view has not been great, really, other than the triple threat match thus far. But it really does. It's something that I think Rano and Sam both have talked about before. The main events have so much to do with what you remember from a pay-per-view. You can go all the way back to the earliest WrestleManias to where it's like WrestleMania six. I used to think of that as a good pay-per-view because I remember Hogan Warrior. And then I remember going back when the network started and watching that whole card and going, oh my God, like without Hogan and Warrior in separate matches, it's pretty rough. Like there's some pretty rough matches on this card, but let's start with the McIntyre Orton ambulance match. Um, Ron, I know you were very excited about an ambulance match. We haven't seen one in a few years. Did it live up to your expectations? It did, and with the storyline that they played, and this was uh, – here's one time where I really have to uh, tip my cat to WWE for a long-term storytelling uh, for all of the gentlemen that they used in it as well, you know, that through a nice little wrinkle being sprint than uh, your traditional ambulance match. I mean, I, I know there's nothing really traditional about an ambulance match, but uh, <laughs> Dude, the this isn't your grandfather's they, ambulance uh, match. Some really good spots for. <laughs> but um, <laughs> the, the fact that I, I loved how they had used uh, Christian, uh, Sean, show. Uh, and Rick, all in very great Wear a mask, Rick. Um, <laughs> I, I was actually surprised because I'm like, wait, we haven't seen Rick. Then that, that, that was the thing that kind of kept me hanging on to the end. Like, is Rick still going to be like everybody else here? Or is Rick going to still do Rick things when he shows up? <laughs> He, he reinforced every negative stereotype about elderly drivers. <laughs> driving slow. It's like driving with a cracked you know, crack window. I'm sitting there going, you can't see anything. Um, Sam, the spot on the top of the ambulance, actually two spots, or two questions here. The first was, do you remember a more brutal or scary uh, glass shattering moment that when Drew hit the windshield because I really thought he was legit hurt after that because it looked like his head hit the windshield and actually made it bust. Yeah, you know it's really interesting. I was doing that as I mentioned. I was doing the Discord app with the ring with Spandex Orphans, and I saw that and I, I it took my brother. I was like, oh, that you know I I am hoping that that was gimmick glass. I'm assuming that it was gimmick glass. WWE is actually usually really good about that kind of stuff and uh though his back was torn up um yeah that spot where he went through uh was one where i was like am i the only one who thought that that looked like a really brutal and i was voted down but uh, i'm glad to hear that i was not the only one who thought that especially given what we know about brain injury um I also want to echo what Ronell said is that because I can, you know, can be critical of the WWE for long-term storytelling. I like that they had all of the people, you know, Christian and show and Shawn Michaels. I'm also glad that it didn't have edge. I thought that edge would have distracted from it, but having these, all these NPCs sort of being involved, I thought that that was sort of like a great, and especially on a pay-per-view that didn't have a whole lot that was sort of a meat and potatoes you know, B plus show 
that really just did a good job of advancing stories that I thought that was a nice little ending for that storyline for Randy Orton. And McIntyre can move on. Is this the end of it? If it is, I got to say I'm really surprised because, again, I talked about this on the preview. They mentioned how many times Randy Orton has been champion so many times that I thought for sure that was a red herring that it's like he's going to get another title win out of this. And the other thing, I agree with you. I love the storytelling of it, but I have seen some comments from other people and I understand where they're coming from that, you know, Drew McIntyre is your face, like badass champion. It took Flair or well, not really Flair, but Michaels, the big show, Christian, all getting involved, all getting physical and Orton almost still beat him in some ways, it almost made Orton come out looking stronger than it did McIntyre. Uh, I see the argument, but I don't necessarily. I mean, I, I think that it's that none of those guys are active competitors. This show is sort of on the edge, but that was early enough that I felt like it was not a huge uh red flag i thought i didn't love it just because there's a curmudgeon in me that thinks that like again like he's supposed to be your face and he's like multiple people are interfering like it felt a little bit like you very well could have told the same story with uh the roles reversed and it would have you know where three guys interfered and that it would have felt like you could have, it would have been fine. And it's some of the, 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 the uh, flexible morals of the WWE that I don't always love, you know, is that it's okay because the person doing it is a good guy. And I don't necessarily think that's the, the, that's consistent storytelling. And that's one of the problems that I had. Ron, do you I, think right now that they have done a success? Cause now we're at Drew McIntyre has been champion for six months. He, he's, you know, overcame Randy Orton, Ziggler, all these guys. Is his first title, and I know 2020 is not, so it's not really fair to compare it to other first title reigns, but has his first title reign been a success? And is he now officially an established guy in WWE main event? I would have to say yes. I mean, if you look at the guys he beat, I mean, yeah, Dolph isn't one to really – uh, write home about, but you know, there's a Seth Rollins and so write a passage to beat Dolph Ziggler. <laughs> right. But you know, you got you know Seth Rollins, you know Randy Orton. He has you know taken some of the bigger names. Um, you know, Big Show, of course, is uh, right after uh, winning, and he's taken this pandemic and he's made the best of it. You know, I know we've talked about how he kind of. Uh, tends to break that fourth wall, which he's kind of gotten away from, but use that at the onset to just, you know, kind of connect more with the fans that, that can't touch him right now. So I, I think that he's well-established and I I'm, would say that, it, you know, this was a good first title reign. If it were to be coming to an end before the end of the year, um, it would be a successful one. And I'm sure he would be back in uh, the title picture for many years to come. Um, I'm pretty uh, pretty happy with 
so, how he's performed and continue to step up. And I also don't think that he looked that weak either. I, I like the additional um, cherry on top by pulling Orton out for that last second punt before he slammed the doors. The You know, I, I agree with Ronell. I actually would take it a step further. I can't think of a guy whose first world title win was then had the booking afterwards that was as good and as strong as McIntyre's in a long, long time. Um, yeah, I'm, I was maybe, I, and I'm sure that there will be somebody who can come up with a better one, but I might go as far back as when Cena beat JBL. That but even Cena, it took a while, right? Because he, it was year after year, it kind of ramping up with the guys he went over. But I mean, if you really think about it for, I mean, when you beat Lesnar, Rollins, and Orton, you know, in a six, what, six month period and all clean, uh, that's pretty big names. And I think another thing is, is that the audience has accepted it was that there was not, there's not been a backlash to Mm -hmm. him. There's not that it's generally been well received. And I think that is a very positive thing. I think that they've done a really good job of making drew into a guy who is that high level, you know, he is, pardon the term, elite. You know, he's up there. I would put him up there with guys like Rollins and Reigns and uh, Orton and Cena. You know, those guys at the very top where, and Lesnar, where he's just like, he's, he's, beating him is a big deal. If Keith Lee beats him, it will be a big deal. So before and that we- was. Before we move on to the the main event, which we all think loved, are some really scary news from a former WWE employee who has gotten uh, some storylines, at least guessing on them right in the past. He believes that Keith Lee is eventually going to be the leader of Retribution. What do you two guys think about that? Uh... It okay. Stepping aside from my feelings about retribution, it's such a square peg in a round hole. Is that Keith Lee is so you have these guys like knock and that they've not capitalized on Nakamura, um, being one of them, uh, and Oscar is another one. Um, Daniel Bryan, CM Punk, these people who are all so singular and just themselves and have this X-factor charisma that no one else has and that you can't replicate. And I feel like to put him in charge of Retribution is just it's a waste of him. And, and not, not a knock on Retribution, but it just doesn't feel like it's the right fit. Uh-huh. Yeah, I was, as Sam was talking and I was staring off, I'm sitting there and I was trying to figure out how we can tie those two shoelaces together and, and make it work. And I just can't see it. Uh, Keith is a larger than life personality. Um, it's uh, his slight difference in speech patterns uh, since his call to the main draw has been a little, you know, strange, but other than that, I mean, I, I can't see a need to, what what does he need a gang for? He has his own. I mean, he's literally a a better new one man gang. I stand by that the Miz should be the leader of this group for so many reasons. 
just from a storyline perspective, he is Mr. WWE. You know, he's done everything. He's done more interviews and promos and TV shows and whatever stupid role they need in a tag team or a feud. And he's never even been given like really a legitimate world title run in a decade. And it's like, that's the kind of thing that to me you could use to play that, Hey, sick of it's like I've been your yes man for a decade, and you know, now I'm going to tear it up from the inside, and it can make sense. I, I don't get why you would bring in Keith Lee, and especially when we know that Dominic is already part of Retribution, and we know how good Dominic and Keith Lee are in the ring. Why would you not let those two go at it, uh, you know, and bring Keith Lee into the storyline where Retribution is either going after him or he's helping WWE stop them? Uh, I hate it. I hope he's wrong, but he has been right about a few other things here recently, including when he called the, the Roman Reigns coming back at SummerSlam, or not SummerSlam, but uh, Money in the Bank, and or whatever pay-per-view it was. It was SummerSlam. You were right the first time. Okay, SummerSlam. I, I just, uh, I hope he's wrong. So the last match of the night, and I mean, I, I can't remember when WWE has been rolling this well or, or maybe it's just a, an inc- a, you know one of those incidents where you know what do they say with with all marriages it's it's both uh, timing and uh, you know where you're at in your life and you know the, the people joining together and it's like Reigns in my opinion has always been a guy that I think is a star and WWE has done him no favors like not like not since his Shield days now I will say when he was first introduced to the Shield they did do him a lot of favors but. Since the Shield split, since he's became a single star, they've done him no favors. The heel turn was the first time he's been really interesting in his singles run. Obviously, adding Paul Heyman only brought more excitement to that. And then to see, you know, just this character and persona come out of him that is so believable, and it just – it was wonderful. And and it proves – And wrestling, you can know what's going to happen, and it doesn't matter if it's executed well. Because everybody knew where the storyline was going. Everybody knew that Roman was going to beat the hell out of Jay. Everybody did. They knew that he was going to beat Jay into the ground. But the execution was so great. I mean, they went straight Rocky Four on our ass, where – Literally, Jimmy had to play Rocky running out there, throwing in the damn towel. I mean, it was great. It was Roman was great when he was, you know, saying, say it and this is over. Say it and this is call me the chief. Uh, You know, telling the ref that don't tell me what to do. I'll end you. I run this place. And that's I mean, Charles it was, Robinson. It's Charles right? Having Jimmy at the end, and he deserves a lot of credit too. That when he throws in the towel, he goes, "What's wrong with you? We're family." He goes, "You're the chief. Is that what you wanted to hear? Now leave him alone." I mean, it just—it was amazing. And this was a match that Reigns maybe did five or six offensive moves, maybe, and it was great. And I love it. And I am so excited to just see where this continues to go because. He hasn't even fought anybody of an importance yet in a singles match, and there's this much buzz. Can you imagine when we get to him versus Fiend, him versus Seth Rollins, him versus whoever down the road, Brock Lesnar? It's going to be great. Him versus – I mean, <laughs> I'm he, trying to 
Big E, that would be – I think that would be a hell of a WrestleMania. I also am trying to manifest this, him versus Daniel Bryan. Oh, man. Um, I, I thought – so I'm, I'm going to go a little – I thought that the end dragged a little – I thought it went on a little too long. That being said, I thought that it was very interesting something that you said, which was that we knew that the, how this was going to end. But I think that people, it really got a lot of heat and sympathy for Jey Uso. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think anybody was like, a Jey Uso world champ. That's something that I would really enjoy seeing. And I think after this, people were like, give Jey, you know. And I think that's to to the credit of Roman. And I think that this is the first time that the WWE has really given him the ball and said, you are the focal point of our A show. You know, people can disagree with that, but it was always Lesnar over him, in my opinion. You know, that's why Lesnar beat him at WrestleMania twice. And for him now to be there and to be the guy and getting tag team wrestlers over in main events of pay-per-views is really like a big credit to him. It makes me, I'm, I'm with you, Keith. I'm really excited about where it goes. And Was that the most creative low blow you've ever seen, Ron L? That was, that, that was amazing to, to happen the way it happened in the match. Um, one of the things that I didn't get to touch on because we didn't do uh, the superlatives when we um, previewed this is I had wanted to touch on, because when I was going to go to promo of the week, mine was going to be Paul Heyman's from SmackDown a couple of weeks ago when they first did that whole introduction. They brought the Samoans, the whole family thing, and they brought that whole line in. I thought that was just amazing uh, that they got that package together. I mean, they had um, <clears throat> Afa still alive and, you know, mm -hmm. talking about how my son and this and that. They had Rikishi. Uh, you know, they, of course, mentioned The Rock and Umaga, Yokozuna. I, I thought that that was such a great package and what they're doing with this whole tribal chief thing that what they turned it into in the match was so amazing. Okoye, I'm speaking. Um, was so amazing. I loved how he was, uh, how Roman was just jawing Jay the entire time. You know, I mean, it's just like, just like when we were kids, you know, when he would, uh, when he backed Charles Robinson down, you know, I've been doing this all our lives. So just sit and, just sit and watch. So well done. Um, that, that low blow was definitely a unique one. But considering we knew what the end was, they made that a much better match than I had anticipated. And it were with the uh, family storyline than the wrestling itself. I'll say, too, that I know for a fact at least one woman, my wife, is really digging the shirtless <laughs> Roman Reigns look because she went... Nuts. I think her exact words were hello uh, when he walked down the aisle and she goes has he ever not wore a shirt before and I said no and she just immediately goes why and I'm like I don't, I don't know you have to ask Vince McMahon that one uh, I, it, it's so cool too how you know Jay comes down with the hula on and it kind of looked ridiculous you know you're kind of like Jay Uso with the hula but then to see Paul Heyman put it on Roman Reigns and for him to stand over him with his hands raised, 
the belt and the hula. They're going all in on the travel chief thing, and I think it works, and it could lead to a rock versus, uh, you know, Reigns match at, at Mania, potentially. The I, I, I want a second run out because I loved that video package, which the WWE is undefeated on that. Yeah. I also like, with the trash talking, taking advantage of the fact that there's no crowd. You know, that's not something that, I mean, you could have done it with the crowd, but it doesn't hit the same. And the fact that they don't have a crowd, you know, chef's kiss on that. Um, yeah, I, 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 I'm just, I'm interested to see where they go. It's, it's, it's really positive. Does Reigns just seem like he has more confidence now? Like I said, he'll just, is it not, or is it just me? To me, he seems to be more confident and every move he makes, we discussed this a few weeks ago, that he's moving so much slower. So I think it's on purpose. He's, he's more methodical in the way he moves and the way he talks and the way he walks. And I just love it. It shows that it's something that he's been working on as a heel character for a long time, whether it be studying other guys or, you know, what he wanted to do when he turned heel. And I just love that not only is – he obviously giving a ton of effort with this and that's why it's working, but so is creative because they really have done a great job from the decision with Paul Heyman. You know, a lot of people were shocked that Jay Uso was going to be his first title defense. That didn't, you know, seem like who that would be. That made all of the sense in the world to the, to the point where as, as Sam was saying, I wouldn't be disappointed if we got another Jay Uso versus Roman Reigns match, you know, at the next pay-per-view. I, I don't know how they would actually pull it off, but it wouldn't. I, I wouldn't mind seeing them going again. And if you guys are correct with next month being Hell in a Cell, uh, I, I'm sure they can turn that into something into something pretty. The I actually wondered if they would do Jimmy versus Roman, and then have the Usos join him at Survivor Series, have them attack Drew. Um, the one thing, you know, people have talked about Roman changing his music and forever I've wanted somebody to do, you know, the Barking Dogs version of Jingle Bells? Yes. I've wanted somebody to do that with <laughs> Roman's music for a long time. <laughs> um, the other thing I did want to mention about the methodical is that oftentimes I feel like methodical is a nut, like the WWE's like PC speak for boring. Cause like, that's what they say about Randy Orton is that he's methodical. And Roman seems like he's, it's not that he's moving slowly. It feels like there's a real coiled, like there's an explosiveness to when he does hit a move. Um, and he seems much more comfortable. I don't know if he's confident, but I think that he's very comfortable in this character in a way that, you what know. About the graphic, because was... I thought that was interesting too. I actually really liked it. When he first came out, you know, they now always have the graphic, and it was him, like, almost uh, bronzed, you know, like, screaming, doing his ooh that he does yeah. before he yeah. hits yeah. the spear. Yeah. But, you know, for that, I guess, you know, they used to show the doll, which I just didn't think, you know. Being yeah, the, I, I thought I that I still that love was... what Corbin did with that. <laughs> the, the, yeah, I mean, the, the, it feels like the, um, that they've moved away. One of the things that I think, did him no favors was that they left they kept, he got the shield stuff the idea that like oh the goodwill of the shield will carry him and i don't think that was the case i think it actually hurt him more because for the people who were agitated by him being pushed so hard 
they it was just like a reminder of like yeah like these people that we liked more in the shield and so i think getting away from some of that is really helpful to him any other thoughts on the clash of champions pay-per-view overall uh you know i i thought that i it was i i made a joke and i say this as somebody who owns a hyundai that it was fitting that the show is sponsored by hyundai because it was reliable but not inspiring you know i, I thought that it was an enjoyable <laughs> pay-per-view and, and it, it it told a thank you <laughs> um i thought that it, it told a like it, it i i think that in the old days you know in the in the best of times the wwe <laughs> you had the Survivor Series, SummerSlam, Mania, and Rumble as the big pay-per-views. And then you had the other eight, which were in your houses, to sort of move the story along to those big pay-per-views. And I think that this was, there's nothing wrong with that. I, I mean, that as a compliment. And I think that was well done with this, is that it was, it, a, B followed A, which makes me want to watch C. Yeah, it, it definitely advanced a lot of storylines, but I, I guess you guys were kind of right in that um, when your main events kind of give you some good stuff, you know, you maybe think higher on it. But uh, all in all, I, I still do believe it was a pretty decent show, even though, you know, I was disappointed with a couple of the matches. The, sto the appropriate storylines were pushed forward and we still have a couple of open question marks uh, to fill in the next week. Uh, hoping that the raw that's happening right now is better than what they've been uh, giving us. And we, we get some excitement uh, on the raw side, you know, SmackDown right now is running at on, on all engines right now, you know, Sami Zayn should be an amazing uh, intercontinental uh, heel champion. Wow, I've just thought about that. We have two heel champions on the Friday show. And neither of them are, are at least so far the scared, you know, heels. You you got a smart heel and you have a monster heel and, and I love it. Uh another big takeaway just from this pay-per-view, and I hope it sticks, is something that they've learned from 2020. Every pay-per-view doesn't have to be four hours. Like it does. Yes. And they, they've done a really good job of okay, let's have six, seven matches. Let's start at 7 o'clock. Let's be over before 10 p.m. And I'm yeah. telling you that wrestling fans will watch more of the pay-per-view if they do that and be more invested in it because you don't know when it's going to end. I mean, it was just like last night. I was shocked that it ended, I think, with like eight minutes left before the hour was up. And, again, you know, as wrestling fans who grew up, you knew that, like, when you got to that 11 o'clock hour or that 12 o'clock hour, you could almost count down to the end of the match and also just the fact that you don't need this filler. You have so much programming between NXT, Raw, and SmackDown that pay-per-views need to be special, and they don't have to be big cards. UFC is very good at this, that they have like four or five, you know, matches on the actual pay-per-view. WWE needs to continue to do more of this as well. I, I agree, and I thought that especially that, that WrestleMania was weird, and I thought that it was – like I had a hard time with it being in the performance center with no fans – um, I think that if they could have done the Thunderdome setup, it actually would have been, I would have had even more, but I thought that the cinematic matches were great, but the, I thought that the fact that it was split over two nights, like, I don't know about you guys, but for the last few years, I can't imagine being at Mania Live for those where like you would get there at like three and not leave until midnight. 
Like, how are you not just like out of it? Like, it's so much. It's 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 overstimulation. That's worse than going to a job. <laughs> yeah. And it, it's. I mean, so, you, get, you yeah. get way more emotion in, in that nine hours than you do at a shift that uh, at work. Yeah, and and so I'm perfectly fine with like these shorter shows. And I hope, you know, I, I know Vince has that whole thing where he's like, oh, like, we have to give the fans their money's worth. But, like, you know, sometimes giving me my money's worth means, like, like Takeover is a great example where you would have these, like, the same thing with those where they were, like, three hours. And they were Keep always doing like, the documentaries on the network. That's what we're paying for. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, we yeah. want to see the occasional great pay-per-view match, but it's like I spend way more time watching, you know, the the 24 uh, sevens and and, you know, the – the, the Becky uh, or the Sasha Bailey, you know, behind the scenes NXT, those type of things are great. It's like, it's not just the pay-per-views, uh, but the main thing is keep us interested. And like that, that pay-per-view last night was just long enough. They've had a couple of them. Money in the Bank was that way. They seem to be kind of, even SummerSlam, I believe was only three and a half hours. So it, it just, it has me hopeful that this is kind of the new norm. And then if you do want to have WrestleMania be say five hours, Okay. You know what I mean? It's like that it is a special card. Or do two nights of four hours. I really do. I I think that at this point, you know, I'm hoping, because for years, I don't know how you guys felt, but it was, there was a running joke as soon as TakeOver started, I think in 2016. It was like, yeah, let's just, you know, how about we start, you know, WrestleMania is on Saturday now. Right. TakeOver is the WrestleMania. You guys got anything you want to plug before we get out of here, Rano? Uh, as usual, harvestcreditors.com. Uh, you can find me on um, Instagram at official Ronald Tinsley on Facebook business page. Uh, also Ronald Tinsley uh, mentioned the team term buckle podcast and save a hundred dollars in starting uh, your credit repair services. Uh, and just shout out to the team term buckle group. As always, you guys are amazing. We love um everything that you guys are bringing in the group uh, keep that stuff up tell us um i'm gonna plug my twitter account it's uh s how 610 h-o-u-g-h 610 i'm gonna plug team turnbuckle the twitter account is team turnbuckle uh gonna plug ibm sports uh all-star best five dollars you'll spend uh, i also want to take a chance to plug uh emily pratt uh who wrote a pair of really great articles on New Japan and their... Yeah, thank you. I'm glad you liked it. Uh, Her Twitter is Emily of of Pratt, uh, but she does great coverage of New Japan, but she did a really great coverage of speaking out and sort of their lack of recognition for it. I'd highly recommend that. Uh, And uh, just, yeah, keep watching, keep participating. Absolutely. Uh, I just want to plug the IBM. Keith, Keith, yeah, I, I was just going to say, Keith, um, all, if, if you do the All-Star, uh, just one week of Keith's bets will pay for your All-Star for at least a year, boys and girls. I'm telling you, definitely worth that $5. Well, Alan's picks. I don't know about mine all the time, but uh, I do want to I definitely tell you to listen to the IBM podcast uh, network. We have Tons of good podcasts on there, not just a team turnbuckle. We have gambling, we have fantasy football, we have the RC report. Uh, the IBN uh, page actually does on Thursday nights. Me and uh, Alan do 
a preview of all uh, NFL games with the spreads on Sunday. RC and Allen uh, basically talk X's and O's, what you're going to see for the NFL that day. And then, you know, my last shout out is to Arthur Blank. If you will fire Dan Quinn's ass, I will drive to the airport and fucking pick his ass up. So, as a Falcons fan, for just a little bit longer, Dan Quinn's still the coach. Arthur, if you need somebody to give his ass a ride, give me a call. I'll be happy to take him. Uh, it's going to be good, though. I'll be able to concentrate on wrestling and fantasy football a lot earlier this year than I expected because I'm not going to have to worry about the football season. So, but uh, with that, always, guys, a pleasure. We'll be back later in the week. We will discuss hopefully a good episode of Monday Night Raw tonight. Uh, and then obviously AEW and NXT, but for Keith, Ron L. Sam, this has been another edition of the Team Turnbuckle Podcast on the IBM Podcast feed. See you guys. There you go.